the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 40 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. Estate planning attorney Bob Bergman here. I'm glad you're joining me here on this afternoon, this first Friday in February of 2023. Um, I don't know about you, but this last week has been extremely cold here in San Jose. I think my wife and I both agreed it's it's kind of the coldest winter we can recall in a long time, and uh, we've been we'll be together um, uh, married 25 years this year in June, yay! And uh, and it's just it's really cold. I mean, uh, cold and damp. I think it's a combination of having weather where it's in the 30s when I leave to take my children to school, and it's very damp at the same time. It's the kind of cold that penetrates through your clothing through your skin and into your very bones. I think you know what I'm talking about. So a little bit better today, not so bad today. Uh, it's warmer and it's not as damp. So, uh, But even though it's raining, it actually warmed up with the rain. So that's um, one of those interesting uh, phenomena is that, um, or an interesting phenomenon is that, is that it oftentimes warms up when it rains. Uh, I'm sure my father could have explained why that is. He was actually a, a meteorologist in the Air Force for about 20 years, and he could probably explain exactly why that is the case. I want to let you all know here that uh, I am in the process of putting together a webinar that um, uh, maybe two, but certainly um, a, a webinar that is going to be focused on estate planning for um, for parents um, and as parents specifically are aimed primarily at parents that have young children. And uh, I bring this up because one of the things that is uh, very, very near and dear to me uh, is doing planning for families that have young kids. I mean, my daughters are still uh, minors, and um, so I've been uh, been caring for them. My wife and I have been caring for them for almost 15 years now. And uh, early on, when they were younger, since they're twins, we joined a, a group here in Santa Clara Valley called 
at the time called the Gemini Crickets, which I thought was a very clever name. Uh, the logo were, were two cartoon crickets. And Gemini, of course, being the astrological sign for the twins. Uh, they've since changed their name, but the mission's still the same. I think now it's uh, parents of multiples of Silicon Valley or something, which is not nearly as catchy as Gemini crickets, but the concept remains the same. And I ended up doing presentations for the uh, for the parents' meetings for the Gemini crickets. Uh, sometimes, um, you know, at a library, uh, when they would meet, they'd meet like in the Saratoga Library in a common room there. And I ended up doing estate plans for a number of couples who were similarly situated to me and my wife, namely that they had twins or that they had, uh, in some cases, triplets. And I remember there was one family that actually had quadruplets. And I'm and I'm just kind of, I'm groaning, thinking about, oh my gosh, four children? Remember them showing up with their quadruplets in a tandem stroller that had the four of them lined up in a row? It was one of the more interesting things I'd ever seen, seeing four little babies lined up in a row in a gigantic stroller. But... Like I said, I'm going to be doing um, a, uh, it's going to be a webinar. And once the webinar actually is uh, put together, I'm, I'm going to be uh, putting it on my website uh, as an evergreen webinar, which means you'd be able to go to my website, click register, um, provide me a little bit of information, register for the webinar, and then watch the webinar, um, and I'm going to give away a little bit right now. In the webinar, um, there's going to be a bonus for those who go all the way to the end and decide that they want to have me assist them with estate planning. Uh, I'm not going to disclose what the bonus is, but in order to determine it, you have to you have to watch the webinar all the way to the end. I'm trying to make it so it's not more than about 45 minutes long. But it's intended to educate about estate planning and especially estate planning if you have children, uh, minor children, because it's absolutely crucial if you have young children that you do proper planning for them. One thing I can say is we all expect to live forever when we're young. Um, and, and I will tell you that most people out there do live longer than their 30s or 40s. But I can tell you that I have seen families where they have lost a, a, a mother or father who was in their 30s or early 40s and occasionally in 20s. And when you have small children in a situation like that, you want to make sure that you have a plan in place that's going to take care of them and possibly be the plan that takes care of the family for the rest of your life as well. That's the advantage of doing estate planning while you're younger, doing it while you're still healthy, while you still have all your mental capabilities. You don't want to be forced in the situation of doing estate planning because it's an emergency. 
because there is um be, you don't want to be doing it because you you really have no choice anymore and uh that's really the worst time i can conceive of to trying to do an estate plan is when you are running out of time and you're you have to kind of get something put together as quickly as you can it's never the best estate planning i'll tell you that right there um but and sometimes uh, we can miss things because we're in a rush so it's really something to consider doing while you're young healthy have all your mental capabilities and while your children are young you can plan for your children uh, how you're going to pass things on to them. You can plan for for going forward uh, for the rest of their lives. Uh, I do that kind of planning for people all the time. It's the type of planning I've done for my own children, um, where I've done planning designed to protect them from uh, financial predators, divorcing spouses, all kinds of things in the future. Um, I've talked about it on the show. It's called the Castle Trust Planning Option. And I do cover that in this webinar that I am creating. Uh, it's going to be called Estate Planning for Busy Parents. And I will tell you, um, I am equipped to do consultations and meetings by Zoom. And I am probably transitioning to having virtually all consultations be by Zoom um, in person on special request and having the only real in-person appointments I have going forward uh, eventually being just for signing appointments in my office. I figure I can help more people that way if I can actually do meetings with them either in my physical office or from my home office. It will give me more flexibility to even start doing consultations by Zoom uh, perhaps even the occasional Saturday or evening. So, thank you for listening to this first segment of the show. I wanted to outline kind of what's going on in my practice. When we come back after the break, I'll, I'll jump into my usual format, which is questions and comments from around the state of California. This is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio, and I'll pick this up after the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. So, let's get the show started for real this time. So, out of San Diego, California, person says, my grandmother had a will changed after she had it done and she was in hospice. My mother and my stepfather had it changed over without a lawyer's presence while she was in the hospice. Can that be done? Well, the short answer is yes, that can be done. There's no requirement that a lawyer be present in order to do a will or change a will. But I'm assuming this person is asking because the will that grandma had originally was leaving something to this grandchild, but now the will um, 
no longer leaves anything to this grandchild because mom and stepdad had the will changed, had grandma's will changed while she was in hospice. To me, the real there's some issues here that should be explored. Number one, how old was grandma when this was done? Uh, if she was a senior, in this case over 65, if she was a senior, you have to examine was she unduly influenced by her daughter and her daughter's um, husband and induced to change the will that she already had. Um, So did they exercise undue influence over her and induce her or trick her? uh, Or did they get her to change it because they said, look, you don't change this and we're not going to help you anymore, which is a form of emotional blackmail and could be considered undue influence. But being in hospice, my major question would be, did grandma actually have the legal capacity um, at the time that she uh, at the time that she signed this new will? Did she have the legal capacity to actually make a change to her will? In other words, was she mentally competent at the time to make this change? Now, there's no way to tell from the from the question that uh, someone provided here that I'm looking at, but it certainly is something I think that should be asked about or explored because financial abuse of an elder uh, is a serious matter. And if someone took advantage of grandma's, uh, grandma's um, condition to get her to change her estate plan, especially if there was no one there exercising oversight, such as an attorney, if they just had grandma change things and then um, and then they brought in a couple of random people to act as witnesses, I don't know. There could be a, an issue of, of um, elder financial abuse there. And I, I might suggest look into that further, um, maybe even... If you suspect that, maybe even go and give your suspicions to the appropriate authorities, in this case, in San Diego County. It's likely going to be a Department of the District Attorney's Office dealing with elder financial abuse. Now to Cypress, California. Someone's asking, um, asking what something in a will means. It says, uh, it says my husband is living... Um, in the house, in the house, says he can live in a house, and um, if he dies, and the question is, if he dies before it's sold, who gets his share of the proceeds? So now they say will, but I think they mean the trust. Ninety percent of the trust estate shall be divided into as many equal shares as there are children of the grantor then living. And children of the grantor then deceased, leaving issue, then living. That's a fancy way of saying each living kid gets a share. And if a kid has died, that kid's kids share the share of the child that died. Okay. Now it says the husband is one of the children and he lives in the house. He has the right to live in there. If he dies, what happens to his share of the proceeds? 
Well, I mean, it's kind of written right in there. It says, um, if he already has an equal share as a child, then the trust probably provides that his share passes down to his issue, meaning his children and or perhaps grandchildren, depending on who might be alive at that time. So that's kind of the short answer to that one there. Again, out of San Diego. San Diego's on the hit parade today. says, my cousin stole money from my mother by way of being named trustee on our trust. My mother caught on to this, removed my cousin, and put me on as trustee and sole beneficiary of her trust. My mother is now deceased, and I've tried to get the bank records to prove my cousin stole my mother's money, but the bank refuses. And the law won't do anything without proof she committed grand theft, elder abuse, abuse of her position, and etc. Well, if you're the successor trustee of the trust, and these are accounts at the bank, and you've taken over your mother's accounts that she had at this bank, you absolutely have a right to the bank records for uh, for those accounts. Because you have stepped into the shoes of your mother and them refusing uh, to provide the bank records, they're prob- they may very well be in violation of the banking law by doing that. Uh, you want to lawyer up, make a formal demand for the records, and, and basically you may actually have to sue the bank to get the records. Uh, and if you have to sue the bank, you may be able to collect attorney's fees and costs if they're in fact in violation of the banking law and refusing to provide access to those records. I'm not a banking lawyer, but I suspect the banking laws being the way they are, there's probably a requirement that records be provided at the request of the owner of the account. Uh, In this case, the successor to the owner of the account. So that's kind of my take on that right there. Okay, I got one here. It's going to take a little bit longer than the time I have left in this segment. So let me just cover this, uh, maybe this one, another small one. Out of San Jose. My wife and I have a living trust with five trustees. I don't know if they mean they mean successor trustees, and I don't know if they mean five at once or five in order. We're wondering if we need to update the trust each time any of the trustees move. Well, no. Uh, make sure you provide the, ma- the mailing address and contact information for the people you've named in your estate plan. Make sure you keep that information with your documents, with your trust, powers of attorney, everything else, maybe in a binder that you have, um, and then update that information. But a trustee who's not a current trustee moving uh, really has nothing to do with your trust itself, so you don't need to update the trust just because a successor trustee moves. Okay, that's the end of the first half of our show today. When we come back, we'll continue with more Plan Your Estate Radio. This is your host, attorney Bob Bergman. See you on the other side of the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. 
Hi, welcome back to the second half of our show today. And uh, we're going to jump right in to a question out of Tustin, California. And um, let's see here. All right. Uh, person says, my minor daughter was injured in a car accident when we were living in California. Uh, the Orange County Superior Court ordered the settlement money from her minor's compromise be deposited into a blocked trust account. At the time the settlement was finalized, my daughter, her mother, and I had moved out of the state of California. We had my mother-in-law, who still lived in California at the time, act as my daughter's guardian ad litem to complete the process. That's a guardian at law. That's someone appointed by the court to represent the interests of a minor or an incapacitated adult. She has also since moved out of the state of California to Tennessee. My question is, what, if anything, can we do on our own without hiring an attorney or having to travel in person to California so that my daughter can withdraw this money once she turns age 18. Well, if it's in a blocked account, that means it's been in a blocked account, can only be released uh, by the court. Um, I don't actually handle blocked accounts in my practice, but I suspect that there may be uh, just some paperwork that can be filled out, filled out, filed with the court that identifies the blocked account and provides proof that the child is now 18 years of age so that the uh, so that the court can then release the funds to the child or actually uh, give them access to the blocked account. Um, I suspect, though, you're probably going to have to engage the services of an attorney to help get this account unblocked. And presumably, there was um, was an attorney involved in the original minor's compromise, and that might be a place to start uh, seeing if you can't get assistance from someone in uh, who actually helped out with the original personal injury claim. Okay. So out of Walnut Creek, California, it's talking about my grandmother's side of the family through my mother held a, quote, family meeting two days ago to discuss land in Arkansas. Along with other first cousins within my mother's family, my grandmother was listed, uh, excuse me, other first cousins within her family, my grandmother was listed as one of the beneficiaries of that land or property. My grandmother passed away years ago and is now listed as deceased on the documents for the land property. Well, that seems kind of strange that you'd be listed on the documents. Simply curious, even though my grandmother has been deceased for many years, shouldn't my mother be listed as the beneficiary for her share of the estate or property? This is because my grandmother's family is speaking as if my mother has no legal rights to my grandmother's share for that property because she's deceased. And I find this odd. Well, without seeing this paperwork describing the property, 
it's virtually impossible to figure out just whether or not grandmother's heir is entitled to her share of the property. It would have everything to do with whether or not the property is being held, still being held, um, by someone who's still alive. It depends if it's being held in a trust. Does the trust say what happens if one of the beneficiaries dies? What happens to their share? Uh, these are a lot of unknowns, and it would be very difficult, um, almost impossible to figure this out. Uh, I think this person probably needs to engage legal counsel in Arkansas because that's where the property's located. That's the state whose laws would apply. And that's where all the paperwork appears to be located as well. Okay, out of San Francisco, this is an easy one. Um, this is the this is a t-ball question here. If a person owns a house and puts it in a trust, does their estate avoid probate? Yes. If all of your assets are put in a trust, can probate be avoided? Yes. So in, in reference to the house, you can avoid probate for the house, but if you don't put other assets in and you have enough value of other assets and there's no, like, pay-on-death designation or a beneficiary designation of some kind, like a an IRA or insurance or a bank account or brokerage account, you could still end up with a probate. But if you put all eligible assets into a trust, then a probate can be avoided. Eligible assets would not include retirement plans because they cannot be transferred into your trust while you're alive. That triggers a 100% distribution of the retirement plan to you in the year that you make that mistake. Um, you might direct your insurance to be payable to your trust instead of to an individual. Reason for that is so that the trust then has access to those funds to maybe uh, pay specific gifts that the trust makes. But it also means you're not worried about some individual receiving the proceeds and then they die and now the insurance proceeds end up having to go through perhaps probate in their estate. We're trying to avoid probate in all this. And one of the ways to do that is make sure that you have a plan in place. Um, I call what I do estate planning, not hoping, wishing, or dreaming. I call it estate planning because I sit down analyze a family's situation, find out what they want to accomplish, and then figure out how to draft the legal documents to accomplish what they wish to have accomplished. In the absence of that, you can end up with some very serious situations. Uh, in the absence of planning, you, know, you, can, you can easily end up with everything going through probate, with property going to people you did not want it going to. Um, and that happens all the time. People you didn't want to receive things because of the way you didn't plan or even because of the way you planned because it wasn't done properly. You could end up with people you don't want to receive property actually receiving property. 
So that's something to consider right there when you're doing estate planning. I recommend you always consider using a highly skilled estate planning attorney to do your estate plan. This is not a time for do-it-yourselfing. Sure, maybe you can change the spark plugs in your car. Uh, Maybe, you know, change the tires. You may even have the skill to balance your own tires. All the, you know, do a front-end alignment if you have the the tools and the, the bay you can work in. But I don't recommend that people do any estate planning on their own because there's too many mistakes that can be made if you don't really know what you're doing. In my experience, it is very rare that someone who is not trained to do estate planning understands all of the legal situations and legal consequences of different types of planning. And so that's why I recommend people don't consider doing estate planning uh, on your own. Get the assistance of a skilled professional such as yours truly. Um, I And I say that because I think it's really, really important that if you're going to do planning at all, make sure that you're going to do planning that is going to actually... Uh, that is actually going to, um, that is, excuse me, that is actually going to be effective for you. Uh, because if it's not effective for you, then you could end up with lots of other problems along the way. Okay, here we go out of, again out of San Diego. Seems to be San Diego's at the top of the list today. Says, My spouse has generational wealth from her grandparents. Her father remarried. His second wife had a 16-year-old son at the time. My spouse was a toddler. Although she has an amicable relationship with her significantly older stepbrother, they're opposites in terms of temperament, work ethic, and self-reliance. She excelled in her studies, worked consistently since high school, didn't ask for financial support from her parents. Her stepbrother, now close to 50, barely graduated high school, cannot hold a job, drives cars his parents pay for, lives on and off with his parents, spends his time surfing and occasionally giving surf lessons, and regularly is bailed out by her parents. Her dad did not adopt her stepbrother. Recently, my spouse was given legal documents to sign, splitting her inheritance. She didn't consult lawyers or even review them. Bad move. She said she didn't feel like there was a choice. After she signed, her relatives, who were also beneficiaries, told her it was a horrible mistake to share her inheritance with her stepbrother. They don't think she should have signed. It's probably too late to do anything about it because you didn't get legal counsel ahead of time. And you're basically, you probably gave away half of your inheritance and I'm sorry to hear that but that's pretty much it okay so uh, we're coming up on the third break of our show today so we're going to turn around and uh, finish up the show when we come back after this last commercial break this is attorney Bob Bergman talk with you after the break Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. 
Yes, uh, welcome back. Uh, this next question I have comes out of Oakland, California, and actually it has an overlap really with landlord-tenant law, and that'll be apparent once once I give you the situation. person says, my live-in boyfriend died. He had no will. A personal representative has been appointed by the court. Can that person just come in and start taking things? Some of the things they're taking are mine, and some were things that he and I purchased together. How does this work? The house is now in the market for sale. Well, first of all, if you're living in the property, you are a tenant in the property. If it was your boyfriend's house, you're still a tenant in the property, what's called a tenant at will, because I'm assuming you don't have a didn't have a rental agreement with your boyfriend. And they can't just no one can just come into the house because it's your residence. Uh uh, they have to get permission to do that. And certainly if they're coming in and taking things that actually belong to you, I would ask, did you object to it at the time? Or did they come in without you being there and just took things and walked out with them? Uh, if it was the former, the time really to object is right then saying, no, that's mine. Or no, we bought that together. So half of that is mine. You can't just take that. Um, but if they just came in when you weren't there and took things out of the property, I don't know. I might file a police report and say that my property was stolen. Um, because I don't care if you're named as the personal representative of somebody's estate. If you want to gain access to their property and there's someone living there, you have to go through the legal process to have that person removed from the property before you can waltz in and start removing other property, unless the person living there gives you permission to come in and remove things. Sounds like that was not the case here. So this person probably needs uh, to talk with a landlord tenant lawyer there in Oakland. And, uh, and maybe even if they can identify what was taken, that was theirs, maybe even file a police report saying, this property was taken. I believe it was taken by this person who was appointed by the court as personal representative of the owner of the house, but they came in and took the property without my permission. That's kind of how I would look at that in the final analysis. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm going to skip that one because that one's a little bit too complicated to try and get into on the radio. Okay, out of Orange, California. While both my parents were alive, they planned her estate with an irrevocable trust. Irrevocable trust. It was pretty straightforward as far as division of assets. Each sibling would receive an equal share of the entire estate. While the surviving spouse was alive, one of the siblings lived in the home with him the last few years of his life in a caretaking way. He did everything he could to alienate my father, the surviving spouse, from his other children, going so far as to disconnect the 60-year-old landline in the home. Now that my father died, it's become apparent that, um, that my father had rewritten his, the trust entirely 
in favor of the sibling who lived with him. Is that enforceable? How to even begin unpacking this? First of all, it was not an irrevocable trust that was created by the parents. Because if it was an irrevocable trust, they couldn't rewrite anything. It's likely a revocable trust. It sounds like it said divide things between all the children. But it also sounds like it left everything to the survivor of the two parents. If that's the case, the survivor's trust was fully revocable. It could be changed, amended, modified, canceled, start over, whatever you want to do at the will of the surviving spouse, in this case, the father. And if the father then had one of his children come live with him, take care of everything for him as a caregiver, it would not be unusual at all for um, a parent to change their estate plan to leave that child either a larger share of the estate or in some cases leave the entire estate to the child that moved in and took care of the parent for a number of years. That would not be unusual. And um, if you want to challenge that, you'd actually have to go to court and fight about it, try and convince the court that the parent had no idea what he was doing or that there was undue influence by the sibling that moved in to take care of the parent. Might be really hard to prove that especially if none of the other kids helped out in any way, shape, or form. Because I find that often happens, that uh, there's one child that's taking care of the parent and no one else lifts a finger, and yet they all expect to share equally at the end, even though one child may have sacrificed several years of their own life and career to care for the aging and ailing uh, and slowly dying parent. Okay, well, that's it for the show today. Uh, You can visit lawbob.com if you'd like to book a consultation with me. Um, And uh, as you can also check that out, bookmark my page to see when my uh, link for my Evergreen webinar appears on there. And I'll let people know on the show when that happens as well. So this is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio. Hope you enjoyed the show. And you have a great weekend. Let's hope it doesn't rain so hard that people are crashing all over the roadway. Goodbye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose. 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.